Hey, what's going on everybody? My name is Seth Aspelson and welcome back. It's the end of our first week, final episode, episode number five. And I have a lot to talk about today. The Arizona Coyotes ended up playing their season opening game last night in Anaheim. Did not end the way they or any of their fans wanted to end. So we'll dive into that a little bit. We'll preview the game against Boston this upcoming weekend. This will be the last podcast for the week. Again, take Saturday and Sunday off. We'll be back Monday. And so be uh be an interesting weekend of, of hockey for the Arizona Coyotes, especially the way yesterday's game went. The Coyotes lost two to one in Anaheim uh, against a team that is maybe considered to be on the rebuild. Uh, watching them play last night, they I definitely think they have a really good forward group. I think Anaheim's forward group is uh, one that a lot of people are sleeping on. I think this is a team that could score a lot of goals. Really good goaltender matchup tonight, but or uh, last night that is. But I think Anaheim's uh, forwards are are really good, but defensively is where they're going to struggle. But you'd think to play a team that's going to have trouble on the back end, some slower guys on the back end, maybe a little more inexperienced. The Coyotes would be able to get some things done, but only able to score one goal. And think that after all the the off season hype and the, the roster shakeup that this team would score a, a couple more goals, but they ran into John Gibson. I think that's part of it is John Gibson is maybe the best goaltender in the NHL. Ben Bishop's up there, Vasilevsky, obviously. I think Gibson's numbers were skewed a little bit. He didn't really have a lot of help last year. The Ducks went on that insane losing streak. They ended up firing Randy Carlisle. So I think John Gibson doesn't get the credit that he deserves because of the situation that he's in. But the Coyotes only able to score one goal. That goal came from Derek Stepan. Did come from that top line. I think that's one of the, the positives you can take out of that. The goal did come from the top line, a line that was constructed and, and did what a top line should do. They got a multitude of opportunities. Stepan hit the crossbar on one when he uh, had an opportunity right in the middle of the slot, and he just rang it off the bar. He scored his goal. Uh, uh, the assists from Keller and Kessel, uh, excuse me. And so a really good job uh, by that first line. But outside of that, there, there wasn't too much offense. A lot of zone time. The Coyotes did get 33 shots, so nothing to take away there. But you, you watch that game, and there wasn't a ton of high-quality chances. Sure, they got some bodies in front of Gibson couple of jam plays that they nearly got home but for the most part a lot of outside shots not a lot of screens in front Gibson able to see it easy and if you let John Gibson see the puck I mean it's gonna it's gonna get stopped that's, that's how good he is he's a guy that's not gonna give up anything easy pretty good rebound control so if you do get rebounds you gotta you gotta put him home but for the Coyotes it's I think a, a mix of uh, still trying to figure each other out, different lines. A lot, some players struggled. Vinny Hinostroza struggled a lot. Uh, he got beat on uh, the game winner by Cam Fowler right before the end of the second period. On the first goal, Derek Stepan had, uh, was coming back. It was a it was a three on three, and I can't recall who the Ducks player was. He was the third man uh, jumping into the rush. Had gone off for a change. It was the at the end of a long uh, defensive shift. The the Coyotes. Had, pin the Ducks in their end for a while so he peeled off thinking you know two on two try to get that change and 
Uh, Stepan was still following the play, but uh, he kind of glided into the zone, and then off that initial shot, uh, the rebound came out, and uh, Jarmelson had fallen down, and uh, Stepan had not gotten back in time, still gliding, and Grant was able to pick up that rebound and slap it home, so struggles a little bit defensively. Darcy Kemper looked good. He made 27 saves in the loss, so he still looks like he is focused and sharp. And just taking a look at uh, the final stats, the Ducks a lot more physical. I mean, it's a team that everybody expects to be more physical, so there's no surprise there, but 26 to 15 in hits. More likely to lay their body on the line as well. They outblocked the Coyotes at 20 to 13 as well. So not only the Ducks, they did give up 32 shots, but they stopped another 20 from getting through. So the Coyotes had at least potential 55 potential for 55 shots on goal uh, but the Ducks doing a really good job making sure they didn't give up anything easy uh, when you take a look at the some of the time on ice leaders especially in the forwards category that top line played uh, about 20 minutes Keller clocking in at 20.52 so nearly 21 minutes same as Stepan he's one second less at 20.51 Kessel at 19.48 played about a minute less than everybody else on that line but Top line is going to have to see a lot of minutes. They're the line that produced the goal, so that's a good. It's good to see, but uh, you really want to. You really want to see more uh, from that from the rest of the team. Nick Schmaltz uh, coming back. Uh, I think he's just trying to shake uh, or get back into the groove of things. He hasn't played in a while, so trying to just get uh, caught back up to speed. I think he'll finally get going. Hinestroza struggled last night, but I think he'll have. Uh, a little bit of a, he'll get a chance, and I think he'll be able to turn it around. Um, when you take a look at the team defensively, um, a lot of a lot of shots from the point. Uh, Goligoski had five. Ekman, Larson, Chicker, and Jarmelson each had two, and Demers and Osterley had one each. So, Coyotes using the point a lot. It's a team that likes to do that. They had the skilled defensemen in order to use their point uh, often offensively, especially with Ekman, Larson. Goligoski, he is known to be more of an offensive defenseman. Good to see him get five shots and, and get into the offensive part of the game. Um, he also had three hits, really, in, in terms of the uh, stat category. The best defenseman did finish with a minus one, but in a game that was two to one, kind of hard to, to shake that off. Um, another thing uh, you see on the stats, Jordan Osterley with four giveaways. It's not what you want, especially out of, out of the back end. Another impressive thing about Goligoski, he picked up all those uh, those stats and played well. Only played 19 minutes, and um, that was only fourth most among the defensemen on the team. Only Jarnelson and Chikrin playing less than Goligoski. Even Osterley had 20 minutes uh, logged. So uh, for the Coyotes, it's it's a matter of getting back home, uh, back on back on the practice ice today, uh, getting things together and. Uh, just seeing what, seeing what they got. What what can they improve on? Again, I think they played a hot goaltender, but that's not really going to change. They get Tuka Rask, or uh, actually, I apologize. They do get uh, Yaroslav Halak tomorrow. Well, we saw that uh, confirmed. So Halak actually gets to start, but Halak played extremely well last year in the backup role of Tuka Rask. So even if when you don't get Tuka and you get the team's backup goaltender, it's it's not that easy. So. 
Coyotes going to have to play some strong goaltenders. They get Halak. Um, they get, um, assumingly, Marc-Andre Fleury on Thursday. We'll see if that changes by the time that comes around in the next six days. Uh, but Coyotes facing some good goaltending competition early on in this season and going to have to have the offense find a way to break the spell. A topic I want to get into before we jump into Saturday's game. Last night, the uh, forward healthy scratch was Barrett Hayton. Hayton had made the roster and uh, on the team. Maybe I wouldn't say 100% expected to play opening night, but definitely a good sense that he, he might crack the lineup. He didn't. He sat. Um, Christian Fisher is back up, uh, obviously, after the, the paper transaction earlier this week to get under the salary cap. And now that makes me wonder now, it's one game, right? There's 81 left. Everything at this point is an overreaction. That's why I don't, I'm not too concerned about the offense right now. Played a good goaltender and a team that a little better defensively than I thought they would be. Kept a lot of shots to the outside. And for the Ducks, that's all they need to do when you have a goaltender of that caliber. Uh, but it'll be interesting. I, if Hayton doesn't get in either Saturday or even Thursday against Vegas, wonder what the plan is going to be for him. Are they going to maybe extend his stay in the NHL beyond what he stayed last year, get him some more practice time, and maybe send him back to juniors? It doesn't get – I don't feel like that's what's going to happen. It doesn't seem that they have uh, – in terms of uh, a four that they can rotate in and out of the lineup, I don't know uh, if they have uh, too many great options in Tucson in terms of who could – make an impact uh, if needed to get into the lineup. I think Hayton is your best option, but at the same time, do you want a young player like that sitting in the press box and, and not getting any reps? You can't send him to Tucson. You have to go um, the route of the uh, back to the CHL, back to the OHL in his case. And so uh, be interesting to see what that route is. I don't think it would be a bad idea to give him a shot on Saturday Play at home, a little more comfortable environment. The fans are going to be behind you. Would be interesting to see who does get pulled out of the lineup. I think the lineup they have now is pretty much what they had to finish the season. Fisher in there and Kraus in there a lot. Those might be the top two candidates. Uh, maybe Rick Tockett was frustrated enough by Vinny Hinnestroza's game last night that he might get the get the seat. We'll see. We'll see when the, the final lineup comes out. I... I would think they would put Hayton in the lineup. It's opening night, so they're going to announce all the players, um, have them skate out. But I, I wonder what the what, what the verdict is going to be on him. Definitely, again, be the best way to get his young career started. Or maybe even Thursday. It's a home game, but it's not opening night. Maybe not as much pressure. The, the building, not as energetic again it's going to be vegas so it's going to be uh, pretty fired up and it's going to be pretty packed but opening night is is a, a special night so uh, we'll see how that goes but it, again interested that hayton didn't crack the lineup last night obviously uh, coach Tockett knows his team best so he would have the best answer to that i think maybe put his uh, most veteran guys out there to try and and get things rolling and um, for a team that's looking to get into the playoffs and that feels that they can and I think a lot of people feel that if they can piece their offense together they will got a chance to um, review the game again after 
or uh, earlier this morning, uh, watching on NHL.TV is their condensed game. They the thing with that is they always uh, take the home broadcast. Anytime you watch the condensed game, it's clips cut up from the home broadcast. And um, in there, there's a lot of different points where the Ducks broadcasters are talking about the Coyotes are really good defensively and a team that feels that they can make the playoffs. So it's it's a team that everybody everybody locked into the NHL and, and that follows and covers the teams. Everyone's aware that this is not going to be the same old Coyotes team, a team that finishes last, a team that's in the lottery or in the high lottery, a team that wants to finally take that next step. But I think it's everybody else knows that they that they have to piece that offense together. So, again, it'd be interesting to see what the lineup is on Saturday. There's only really one or two changes that you can make. I don't I don't see Capobianco getting into uh, the game, again, Australia had a tough game on the back end in 20 minutes, so wonder if that maybe influences the decision to get Capobianco in the lineup and take Osterley out, but I still think Osterley is your best option on that bottom pairing. A guy who's played in Chicago, knows how to win, and uh, usually, I think, a little uncharacteristic game last night, so be interesting to see what the the lineup decision is there. Obviously, it'll most likely be Darcy Kemper to start tomorrow. Um, you got to think that he's going to start every game until at least Ronta comes back. Not that Kemper would lose the job, but uh, Aiden Hill was recalled yesterday. Didn't make the the trip with the team, so um, be interesting to see whether him or Comrie does get into the lineup and, and into the net if. If Tockett feels comfortable using one of those two guys, I think early in the season the Coyotes maybe want to win a few games before considering uh, sitting Kemper. But again, you don't want you don't want Kemper to get overworked, and I don't think he will. He played 55 games last year. Uh, there's always a worry that a guy who's hasn't started a lot or who's been a career backup, you know, the more game, his body might not be ready for it. But Kemper played 55 games. He looked sharp last night, so. Um, don't really expect the lineup to be any different. The only, again, surprised a little bit that Heaton was in the lineup, but when you look at that lineup that they put out there last night, it was the same. I mean, obviously they added Kessel, but pretty much the same lineup they had um, when they were playing well last year. So uh, almost a, a log jam for Heaton, and wonder if a decision will be made whether he they want him to... Um, you know, whether they want him to sit and, you know, be in and out of the lineup, if they want him to play a little bit more and develop. Um, I don't know if, I don't know if having him be the the 13th forward is right for his development. But again, it's, it just depends on, on what plan they want. Maybe it gives him confidence that he's up, up in the big leagues and he'll be able to develop it. He, with a guy like Hayden, it is kind of hard to see what else what else he could learn from uh, playing in the CHL. I mean, I think that was the, the argument with Strom when they sent him back for the second time. Or for, uh, yeah, for the second time was you just, you don't know what else the CHL is going to do. He's going to go down there. He's going to dominate. I mean, obviously, work with strength and conditioning coaches and get stronger and get a chance at a lower level to work on parts of the game that the coaching staff wants to see him improve, I think, sending kid you know players back to the juniors 
And if you say, hey, we want you to work on this part of your game, if you know, we want you to forecheck a little bit harder, maybe defend a little bit better, get your defensive awareness up. It's a little bit of a slower pace for a guy with Hayton's talents to work on those things. But if it is a matter of getting stronger or reading the game at a higher speed, I don't know what the what the benefit would be of sending him back to juniors, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Just looking at the way this roster is constructed, I think I'll have to give it another week or two to see what the uh, kind of what Heaton has played, what he's looked like if he's played. I think I think if he doesn't play within the next week or two, which I think he will get in the lineup, I think he'll get sent back to juniors. You just you don't want a guy sitting there not playing, especially at that young age, but. We'll see what uh, the coaching staff and, and John Chica feel about Hayton's development and, and what the next step is going to be for him. Coyotes have today off, today being Friday, until they play uh, tomorrow against Boston. Now the Bruins last night, they're coming from Dallas as they defeated the Stars 2-1 to one in a game that was pretty similar to what the Coyotes played in. Um, Two goals for the Bruins in the first period. First by uh, Brett Ritchie, just a minute and nine into the season for the Bruins. As the former star got a goal against his former team, then Heinen um, nearly five minutes later, uh, to be exact, uh, four minutes and 50 seconds later, scored the second one in the first. Uh, Rupe Hintz scored for Dallas uh, near midway point of the second period, but that was all the scoring and a lot of controversy surrounding the um, Bruins organization, but not on the ice. Um, more towards their broadcaster, Jack Edwards, who made some, uh, I'd say, disparaging comments about Roman Polak after he had uh, jammed his head and neck into the boards uh, when going in uh, for a hit. And uh, with Edwards just not not really thinking through what uh, what you say and as a, as a broadcaster you know I, and I haven't gotten a chance to listen to what happened uh, you know on that broadcast afterwards from what I've seen um, he was wishing Pollock well and, and hoped he would get a speedy recovery and that everything would be okay uh, but even in the heat of the moment even if you don't know what's happened uh, it's still not a good thing to say. I know that it looked like it was about to be a dangerous situation. Pollock was coming in. He was going to pin somebody up along the wall when their, when their numbers were turned toward him, but um, didn't end up well. But even in that situation, you, as a broadcaster, you just don't don't throw anybody under the bus. And if, if you're a hometown a broadcaster, it's, it's fine if you are broadcasting towards your team, towards your audience, if you're showing a little bit of bias. Like, I mean, you really shouldn't be showing any bias, but even if you do, as long as it's tasteful and respectful, that's that's okay. But uh, even in the heat of the moment, you, you just want to avoid saying anything like that. And uh, as a broadcaster, as a journalist, especially as a play-by-play person, you, you know, it, when you really boil it down, it's, it's your job to uh, relay the information to the people, not to give... Uh, a lot of opinions that's what you leave your analysts to and uh, I think when play-by-play broadcasters do give analysis it's fine but uh, in that situation you just you just describe it you say hey is 
you know, he went into the boards and uh, looked like it was going to be a dangerous play, and, and he's down. You know, it don't have to say anything like, you know, hockey karma got him. And, and for a game that is so high pace, so physical, so intense, uh, anything like that can happen at a given moment. And uh, you just don't, you don't want to wish anybody harm. I think a lot of these guys in the NHL, respect each other and you know even though it's a physical game they're not going out there and trying to hurt each other and trying to send each other to the hospital on stretchers so um, tough uh, for the uh, Bruins broadcast team in particular Jack Edwards but um, luckily for them on the ice everything is going pretty well they again won two to one so um, I guess if you if you're gonna have any kind of off ice circus, if you're gonna have some uh, some attention put around you, it might as well be those in the broadcast booth rather than those on the ice. So um, it's good for the Bruins, uh, the team that will uh, take uh, place their skates on Hilo River Arena ice for the first time um, in the regular season. Uh, and uh, looking at the the totals from last night, they're outshot 29 to 20. So Dallas, who has a really good defensive core as well. Still think the Coyotes in terms of pure defensive uh, skill and, and structure are better than Dallas. I think Dallas has a lot better offensive uh, defensemen. But Dallas held Boston to 20 shots. So the Coyotes, um, who held the Ducks to 29, uh, still a little high. But um, if the Stars can hold the Bruins to 20, could hope that maybe the Coyotes can do the same. Um, see if the Coyotes can get some uh, shots going uh, as well, get some goal. I mean, they had 32, so um, the shots are there. We'll just see if they can get them past the lock, and um, we'll see what uh, it brings again tomorrow's game, 6 p.m., Fox Sports Arizona for those of you in the Valley, and NHL TV for those of you watching around the rest of the world outside Arizona. And, uh, again, I appreciate you tuning in. Last podcast till Monday, so when we come back, the analysis of uh, the Bruins game, what's ahead for the Coyotes uh, in the week um, as they play a home game uh, on Saturday, then they'll play Vegas on Thursday, and they'll have another game next Saturday. But uh, a, a lot of road games for the Coyotes coming up um, this week, or uh, this month at least. They'll play uh, Boston on the 5th, Vegas on the 10th, and I was uh, wrong. They'll actually travel to Colorado on the 12th and to Winnipeg on the 15th. Um, then come home for two against Nashville and Ottawa, and then on the road as uh, they go on a four-game New York road trip. Uh, the Metropolitan uh, New York teams, New Jersey and Buffalo, before they come home from Montreal to wrap up the month. So um, Coyotes, hopefully they can get some winning done at home before they got to head out on the road and pick up some points as well. And we'll be here all along the way um, on Locked On Coyotes. If you want to follow us on Twitter, the Twitter handle is LO underscore Coyotes. Again, that is LO underscore Coyotes for our Twitter handle. If you want to follow me on Twitter, my Twitter is SAskelson96. That is S-A-S-K-E-L-S-O-N-9-6. Don't forget to check out uh, the rest of the podcasts in the NHL Locked On Podcast Network. Some great ones, division rivals. Um, check out Ian McLaren and his Bruins podcast if you want the Bruins side of things as they head to Arizona uh, for Saturday's game. So I highly encourage you to check that one out. Uh, hope everybody has a great weekend. Hopefully everyone has a great weekend of hockey watching, and we'll talk to you 
on Monday.